0: record with Furniture Today, a podcast that goes behind the headlines to look at the news and the newsmakers, the people and the personalities that give the furniture industry its unique flavor. I'm your host, Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today.
1: Hi, I'm Trisha Yearwood and you're tuned to Furniture Today's On The Record podcast with Bill McLaughlin. Before we turn to Bill and his guests, I just want to give a shout out to the entire Furniture Today team and remind you that when there's something exciting to announce, you'll read about it first in Furniture Today. And
0: now, here's Bill McLaughlin and On The Record. I'm Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today. Welcome to this week's edition of the On The Record podcast. My guest this week is Eric Grindley, CEO and founder of Esquire Advertising. Eric, welcome to On The Record.
1: Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me.
0: Um, Eric, can you just, for folks who may not be familiar with Esquire Advertising, can you just give us uh, you know kind of a 25-word brief introduction of what is Esquire advertising? What is your unique value proposition?
1: Sure. Uh, so, Esquire advertising uh, works predominantly with furniture and mattress retailers throughout the United States. Um, we monitor uh, mobile devices in retail stores across the United States 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And then we use those mobile devices to match those people back to their household address so we can understand the consumer that shops in your individual re- retail store better and then use that data to advertise specifically on a one-to-one level, direct to these consumers on every internet connected device in their home.
0: So just so I understand, what you're saying is the first time that you pick them up, the first time that you kind of have access to their information is when they're in the furniture store. So that's the first point of entry to, to your communication with them?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of different ways that we can do it. Um, you know, Our technology is really based around understanding who's the individual consumer, And so whether or not we get that via like a household address, so, you know, the past customers, of a retail store um, can be used. Uh, A lot of our retailers will give us a CSV or Excel file of addresses of who purchased in their store in the last three months. And then we can run that through our system. We can see the devices that that person owns. And then we can see the individual demographics associated with those people. So you can you know, uh, we can frame up an individual store of your competitor, we can frame up your own store, or we can look at the individual household addresses of those people um, that are in market that are most likely to shop with you. Really, our whole point of advertising this way is to best understand your consumer and the most likely person to shop in your store this month. And then that allows us to really, you know, condense how much you have to spend on advertising in order to grow your business. And then everything that we do is trackable and traceable back to an in-store sale. So the online ad that that person sees is trackable and traceable back to the in-store sale when they purchase in your store.
0: Well, that's a significant difference from um, a lot of traditional advertising. I mean, if you think of the classic model of a newspaper ad, you you can kind of track how many people come in or a television ad, you can say, well, I I run an ad and my store traffic goes up. But this seems... um, much better in terms of being able to track the ROI of a specific piece of content in a specific ad.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's, you know, probably one of the only technologies that allows you to do it truly down to a one-to-one level. You know, we're not dealing with guessing or hoping that a campaign is working. We truly know if it works or not. And, um, you know, like I always tell our clients is like good, bad, or indifferent, you know, we're going to get data back that tells us what we need to do for the next month. Right. So if a campaign comes back, you know, and it didn't really convert at the rate that we wanted it to, we can look at the data and say, okay, well, you know, here are the people that came into your store from the campaign. And then here are the people that came into your store and purchased from the campaign. And knowing that data allows us to make optimizations online to an ad that really allows us to make incremental changes at the register. You know, when you look at traditional like TV, radio, print, you know, the, the prices haven't really come down all that much, even though the effectiveness has really kind of diminished over the years. And, you know, retailers really are just hoping that it works. You put out a TV ad and, you know, you're guessing based on, you know, previous ads that you've done, what you think might work or might not work. But by the time that ad goes out, if it's an ad that doesn't really convert that well or doesn't resonate with the audience, it's too late. You know, with us, we understand what's going to resonate with your individual consumer. You know, we do studies consistently throughout the United States uh, based on different geographic regions and the makeups of people and what types of ads they react to, down to whether or not they would be best served with a product-based ad or a lifestyle image. Um, And there are literally um, you know, data markers that indicate in certain markets, whether or not it's metropolitan, urban, or rural, as to what type of image you should be using, what type of coloring you should be using in the ad, the verbiage that you're using, and all those things matter. And with our system, because we understand the individual user, at the end of that device, and then we watch for where they go and shop and, you know, what they end up buying, we're able to really understand, um, you know, what ads make an impact and what don't. And so for all of our new customers that come on, you know, we already have a uh, really sort of a competitive edge for them, um, just based on data that we know on markets that are same and similar to theirs. Um, Versus like when you go into a TV or radio ad, you're just like, well, you know, this is the message is what we're going to try. And, you know, you've already paid for it. you ran the ad, and then you kind of hope that you maybe get a, a few percentage point bump from it. And that's just not a good, um, sustainable model for advertising in the retail industry, and certainly not for the you know mom and pop you know retailer. You know, when they're when they're spending their money on advertising, they really need to know that it's going to work. You know, our system we give a, a monthly matchback analysis each month that you know really tells them down to the the penny you know, how much they spent and then what they got in return. So they actually get an ROI calculation. So they'll know, hey, I got a, you know, 25 to one return on my ad dollars this month. And then they, that allows them to take those profits and put it towards another ad campaign uh, that, that will drive even further business. And quite honestly, you know, in the retail sector, you have to be, uh, you know, really cognizant of what you're spending on advertising and making sure you're spending it in the most efficient manner possible because there's so much stuff out there that just, doesn't work for retail, uh, you know, might have worked 10 years ago, but the, the landscape of advertising has changed. The landscape of the furniture industry has changed where, you know, you have to fight back against, uh, you know, e-commerce to a certain extent.
0: Now, how are the ads themselves served? Are these platform specific uh, or, or is this like a retargeting campaign? It kind of follows the consumer wherever they go. What's the, um, what's the serving method?
1: Yeah so um our our system is sort of platform agnostic right we tie into about 98% of all websites um so from a dip- display and native placement um sort of thing you know we're everywhere so you know from a display standpoint those are like the ads that you see when you're on espn.com or the wall street journal or your local news site uh those are all display ads and we cover about 98% of all websites from that side we last year um, finished an integration with Facebook and Instagram so now we have all of our ad segments um, available on social media as well, which when we integrated that about a year ago, it really made things take off a lot for our clients and customers. Because when you do social media in general, you know, there's a large portion of the traffic that you're buying that is just fake and fraudulent. Um, You know, there's a lot of uh, bots out there, there's a lot of fake accounts and, you know, you don't really understand who the consumer is. Um, And so with us, you know, because we know the person at the end of each device we're able to ensure that they're really getting fraud-free advertising and that you're getting real people at all times on your ads. Um, but we we really aim to be platform agnostic. Um, we're working on um, integrations right now to um, Yelp and Amazon and some others uh, that will allow us to really further control the ecosystem that the consumers spend their time in when they're shopping um, and make sure that we're serving them ads in the places that that, that you need to be serving when they're really in that buying cycle, especially with the changes that we've seen in the the way that the buy, buying cycle is occurring now um, in a post-COVID world.
0: How diverse a range of creative do you have to create? Because uh, and, and I guess the reason I asked the question is, depending on where the consumer is viewing that ad, right? I presume they're mobile optimized, but... Um, if I go on Instagram, is the possibility that I would see one there? Then if I go on Facebook, I would see something that's optimized for Facebook. If I then go on to my local news site, would I see something that's optimized for that? Is that all different pieces? And I guess this is kind of a technical nuts and bolts question, but I'm, I'm just curious. Um, how many different pieces of creative do you have to create or does it all technologically optimize for wherever the platform is?
1: Yeah, you, you have to create a lot. Um, You know, when we started out doing this um, uh, a few years ago with furniture and mattress retailers, we realized that um, most retailers don't have a creative department. They don't have, you know, a dedicated marketing person. Um, And so one of the things that we did was made sure that for the retail sector specifically, you know, this is a managed service. So we have a full design team that will create all the ads that they need, and um, there's um, about 12 sizes of ads that you need from a display native side of things. Um, you know, from uh, Instagram and Facebook, there's a, a whole host of sizes that you need there. And then obviously we have OTT, connected TV, uh, digital audio. Um, there's there's a lot of different placements and there's constantly more coming about. So our design team pretty much works around the clock, uh, just designing ads for retailers and making sure that they have every placement possible because the whole point of this and kind of as you hit on is like, You know, we want to be where the consumer is. So if you spend all your time on Facebook, that's where we want the ad to be. If you spend all your time on your local news site, that's where we want the ad to be. We want to identify the best potential consumer for your store and then really just impress upon them nonstop, uh, no matter where they go, uh, your brand message and all the opportunities you have to save money by shopping at your store. And uh, so we have to make a a lot of ad placements, um, various different mediums. Um, and we just do all that for our retailers. Most of our retailers are pretty good about giving us like a uh, a list of sales and events that they have going on every month. So our design team just, you know, stays ahead of the curve and, you know, two to three weeks before a, a sale is going to launch or a new program is launching, you know, our, our retailers are reviewing and approving ads. Uh, occasionally, they might have some edit changes that they want made, but we, we just handle all of that for them because quite honestly, if you... If you uh, uh, tried to make all the placements yourself, um, you know, as a retailer that, you know, is kind of, you know, doesn't have a full marketing department, you'd spend all your time focused on making ads rather than just focused on building your business.
0: It's really remarkable how quickly this has become incredibly sophisticated. I I can remember as few as five or six years ago, people would, would I mean, professionals would advertise retailers. If you have a millennial in your working in your office, let them handle your social media. They get it. Um this is so many orders of magnitude more sophisticated and more professional than that. I mean, this is really a full-time job for for you and and for the retailer.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, for us it's um you know, the the retail industry is really interesting. When we got into this for the first time, I'll be honest, like I didn't have any idea the scope and size of uh you know, the the retail furniture, retail business, you know, um, uh, the first, uh, my first entry into, into the business was by going to High Point Market and just seeing how large it was and how large the scale was. And so we knew that we needed to build specific tools for this industry. And that's what we did. And that's really become the predominant um, uh, industry that we work in now. Uh, you know, when we first started out, we were working with know, a lot of lawyers and, um, you know, uh, we worked with hospitals and politicians and higher education companies, and we still do a lot of that. But, but, you know, retail, especially in the furniture mattress industry is by far our largest segment and just continues to grow. I think because we continue to just invent specifically for the industry, you know, when we first got introduced to this, we started with um, working with American Furniture Warehouse and some Ashley Home stores and and some other um, you know, great partners. And uh, you know, it's just advanced so much because when you start working with, you know, uh people in this industry, you hear what it is that they need to be successful. And we just started looking at it and saying, Okay, well, if that's the problem, how do we build to make it uh you know, not a problem anymore? And so that's where like our our market analytics platform came from, you know, that's where some of our campaigns grew out of, like our um, one of our most recent campaigns is called a friends and family campaign, uh, which, you know, we always get the kind of like creepy, cool sort of response from people sometimes when we talk about it. But, you know, we we basically looked at, at the industry and said, you know, how do you capitalize best on your consumers? And where are you going to get your next purchaser from? And a lot of the times, you know, it's actually really quite obvious, but people just didn't know how to get to them. And we just spent our time figuring out how we get to them. And uh, once we were able to kind of, you know, crack the code on this a, a couple of different ways, it's just been very, very successful. And, you know, for us, we've been fortunate, you know, that, um, uh, you know, companies like Tempur-Sealy have, you know, really, um, you know, entrusted us with a lot of their clients. Um, you know, we, we work with a lot of retailers in the space and uh, we're just able to really drive them a, a sustainable you know, marketing campaign that just makes sense for their individual store. And it doesn't matter if they're, you know, 30 retail stores, you know, or if it's a single store shop, they just need the right tools, they need the right campaign, and um, they need the ability to find the right consumer.
0: I'm curious how it is that you ended up at High Point Market and targeting the furniture space. I mean, as you said, you, you started out in yeah. other sectors. Um, there's lots of different kinds of you know retail that you could have targeted. How did how did it come about um, that you ended up in the furniture industry?
1: Yeah, so um, there was a, a furniture rep um, at Ashley Furniture um, uh, that uh, introduced us really to the furniture space he had heard about our technology and what we were doing and really wanted to bring it to his clients and customers. And so he said, Hey, would you mind coming to high point market and just meeting with us and talking to some of our retailers and let's, you know, see if, um, if there's something that you can do for them to help them, you know, really um, do better advertising. And I think he kind of wanted us to come to high point market to see sort of the breadth and size of what the industry was. Um, and then at the same time, make sure that, you know, um, what we were doing was really going to line up with his clients because um, he really just wanted to do right by them and, 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 and help his clients uh, grow. I think, you know, um, it's interesting, like over the last you know couple of years, we've been introduced to, you know, reps from a whole host of manufacturers from, you know, Ashley and Temper Sealy and Leggett and Platt and um, Furniture of America and just all these companies that are out there. And, Um, you know, most of the reps that are out there and most of these companies are really just trying to help their retailers sell more furniture and do better. And, you know, when we talk to them, they're like, hey, look, this is what my retailer is struggling with. And is there something that you can do to help them? And in the beginning, it was like, okay, well, I think that we can just take all these things and we can do it digitally. And the first project that we worked on was trying to target new movers, but digitally. And a lot of retailers were Going after movers um, on direct mail, and when you buy a, a list like that, you know, in most circumstances, it's usually aged like three to six months, and so the data is already, you know, a little bit less um, than where you really want it to be. So we created, you know, live feeds for this stuff, and created live feeds for um, new movers in a market, and you know, where we were, you know, three years ago, and where we are now is even uh, vastly different. You know, three years ago it was just like, hey, everybody moving in a market. Now it's okay. You can look at the movers in a market and you can, you know, look at those people that are moving, those people that are buying a new home, those people that are in escrow, those people that are about to move. Um, you can overlay home value and income level and all these sort of things. So that way, a retailer can look at a market and go, look, I want everybody that moves into a new house in my area, but I only want the person that moves into a new house in my area that makes over $100,000 a year, you know, is married with two kids and you know, there's just a lot of things that you can layer on, because if you understand your consumer better, you can, you know, really limit the audience that you go after. And you know, in marketing, generally speaking, it's all spray and pray, right? Like, let's just target this entire DMA, that'll work. Um, but it also cost you tons and tons of money. And so more often than not, these retailers can't sustain a, a crazy budget targeting everybody in their area. Um, and not really know what's working and who's coming in and what's going on. So for us, it's like, okay, let's find the 10,000 most likely consumers in your market for your individual store. And let's target those people heavily, because if I can get those people to come in and buy, I can grow your business and I don't have to worry about the other, you know, 150 or 200,000 people around your store. We can worry about the next 10,000 of those people next month when they're ready to buy. But if we do all the data science correct on the front end, then, you know, you can really understand your consumer. So, you know, the Ashley reps invited us. We came, we learned a lot about the industry. And, you know, I would say in the beginning, we knew very little. And now I think we're probably one of the most advanced, um, if not the most advanced uh, marketing and analytics company that focuses specifically on furniture and mattress um, and also appliances too. But, um, you know, uh, we're, we're delivering tools to retailers that they've never seen before. And you know, we show people our um, foot traffic and market analytics dashboard that we built um, for our retail clients, their heads kind of explode because it's all the things that you've ever wanted to know about your market that you never had access to before. Well, that was something, wasn't it? This is Trisha again for Klausner Home
0: Furnishings. From my very first collection, I knew I'd come to the right place, that Klausner understood what I wanted to do with my furniture, how I wanted to share my recipe for comfortable living with the
1: world. Now let's get back to Bill McLaughlin and see what he and his guests have to share with us.
0: It sounds to me like there is an enormous amount of data that's produced by this activity. One of the things that I know some companies suffer with at some point is just data overload, right? What What is white noise and what do I focus on? Um, what can you do for the, for the retailer? How do you analyze um, what really is relevant and what they should be looking at? versus what is effectively white noise?
1: Yeah, Um, you're definitely right. There is a lot of data and sometimes there is data overload. Um, You know, in the beginning we used to just kind of like go, here you go, here is everything. Um, And then as we started to really understand the industry better, we started looking at the analytics that matter most. So, for example, like in our market analytics dashboard, uh, a retailer can see where they rank in the market based on their foot traffic. So they can log into the platform and they can see, okay, here are all the stores that I own. They can filter it by store and then they can see the competition of that individual store. Now, you know, knowing where you rank in a market is definitely important from a foot traffic standpoint. And also understanding, you know, how your traffic is fluctuating versus market, right? If you have a slow weekend or a slow week or even a slow month for that matter, you know, a lot of retailers are sitting there going, okay, well, is it me? Is it my marketing? Is it what I'm merchandising my store with? They don't really know. And a lot of times that leads to panic and then, um, you know, can really um, upset the business. And so, you know, we basically built a platform to give you the best um, and most important analytics Standpoint, you know, points of data that you need to understand your market. So, you know, where is your where are your consumers going? Um, you know, what other competitors in your market are they shopping at? Um, we do this uh, right now. We've we started this post uh, we call it like our post covid retail analysis. Uh, we started doing this um, a few months back. When retailers were trying to open and it's really just to understand your market flow like in our in our market analytics dashboard you understand the foot traffic physically inside a store not around the store but literally the four walls of that store so we said okay well let's look at just the market and let's understand who's moving about in your market and so for retailers what they need to understand is not only like who's moving about in a market but what is the makeup of those people So let's say that my store, you know, typically sells to a consumer who's 50 to 55, they make 75,000 plus per year. Well, when we look at the market, if we see that the people that are moving out and about around your store are, you know, 35 to 45, and they make $50,000 a year on average, that's a big, significant difference than who your ideal customer is. And so you need to understand who's moving about in your market. So that way you can make better decisions, even from a marketing standpoint, like, The ads that you use to target somebody that's 55 plus, is different than the ad that you should be using to target someone that's 35, 45. Um, If you're not segmenting off your ads that way and looking at it from, you know, hey, this is what's going to appeal to this consumer or that consumer. And you're really, you know, you're you're not quite understanding um, the purpose of marketing. Um, You know, it's about being able to tailor the marketing specifically to the consumer you're interacting with. And if my ideal customer is not out there, maybe I don't want to staff up as big. Maybe my traffic is going to be a little bit light. You know, I need to be understanding of the the pressure points that I'm going to have. And so, um, you know, we try and bring down the various different data points, the things that are most important to you. Like, obviously, like, you know, when we do a matchback analysis, we look at um, uh, an analysis based on the total store sales. Then we look at individual category codes. Sometimes we even look at individual products, um, but it's about trying to give retailers, you know, the data that is available to companies like, you know, Amazon and, and some of these, you know, bigger Fortune 500 companies that, you know, any retailer in this industry can benefit from, but just never had access to. And um, so we break it down for them to the points that may matter the most. Um, I think, you know, when you're talking about just straight marketing, one of the biggest, you uh, sort of problems in marketing especially in digital marketing is that sometimes people focus too much just on you know click through rates and they think that you know the click through rate that goes through an ad is the end all be all of of performance and it shows um you know what uh how an ad really is performing just based on a click through rate and that's really not true um you know especially if you're trying to drive someone into a store the thing that matters is what did that what did that ad drive so we look at you know, did that ad drive the person back into the store? You know, did that ad drive someone to purchase in store? Because if a person doesn't necessarily click an ad all the time, you know, I think when you look at like how normal people interact with ads, typically they're not, you know, clicking on an ad, you know, more than once, you know, every once in a while, they're not, you know, constantly clicking on ads. So your, your click-through rates really don't show the full picture. The thing that matters is sales. You know, anybody can send you, you know, a million clicks a month or, but, but did they drive you anybody to your store? Did they actually generate you any sales? That's the only thing that matters. And I think that's the only thing that matters to retailers. Like, everyone just wants the register to ring, uh, you know? Um, but uh, unfortunately, um, you know, the, the industry has always been based on, like, okay, well, the only thing that matters is click-through rates, and we got to have this really high click-through rate, and that should drive performance. And it's just not true. So it's just about better understanding what data points matter and what data points don't matter.
0: It's funny I, when you say the click-through rates, I'm reminded, I think it was a Super Bowl commercial of a, a company that was following their click-throughs and decided to to ramp up all of this production and buy all of this material. And at the end, you, you, you get the reveal that there's a, a baby sitting on the floor, just banging on a mouse. Um, so I, I think that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, anything can throw it off. I mean, especially like if you're doing, uh, you know, display advertising, you know, PPC in general. Um, you know, but, you know, like roughly 70% of that traffic, you know, can be, you know, fraudulent and just bots and stuff. And, you know, it's just, you know, fat finger clicks on mobile ads. There's just a whole host of things that can lead to inflated click-through rates that are really driving no performance. And, um, I think, you know, unless you understand the person that clicked through that ad and can actually trace and track your sales back from an in-store sale to the actual ad itself, you don't really know whether or not it's performing that's why we built this was you know to really understand what's performing and what's not um you know you just when you when you have the power of 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 that data you can just be so much smarter with your decision making that it allows you to really grow your business i always say that we're kind of like the anti uh disruptor right we're fighting back against e-commerce trying to help retail stores survive and grow and a lot of our clients and customers um, are able to open more retail stores rather than close retail stores. Um, and it's because they can understand, you know, who individually buys in their store. And then we even do analysis for our customers where if they're looking at opening a new retail store, we'll look at the plaza that they're moving to. And um, and we'll see what's the demographic makeup of the people that are visiting that plaza. So we, you know, extract out all the mobile devices of the people that are going into that plaza. We look at, you know, maybe five or six plazas in a market, and see which ones are the busiest, um, which ones have the ideal consumer for you already. Because if you place it in the right you know, spot, you're already going to be that much more successful than if you place it in the wrong spot with the wrong consumers for bringing that plaza. And then you have to then fight back against that by really ramping up marketing budgets. Whereas if we can place the store in the right spot from the beginning, you're already going to be more successful than you planned on being.
0: So you, what you're saying is you can actually help with site selection. Prior yes, to 100%. prior to the decision to make um, a, a purchase, right to to buy a to to buy a store or form a lease, um, you know, a retailer could come to you and say, "Look, and we're looking at these five locations, and you would be able to help them um, figure out which one might be the most relevant."
1: Yeah, um, we're actually doing this right now for um, some retailers that are looking at purchasing Art Van locations. Um, you know, the with the Art Van locations that went out of business, um, some of those are up for sale, and so they're interested in figuring out like which one would match up most closely with the typical consumer that I, that I sell to. And then also which ones were performing well before, um, before they shut down. And so, um, yeah, we, we frame up that, that store, that, that, um, that plaza, we frame up the competitors in the area and just give them a whole understanding of who the consumers are that are shopping and where they tend to go most often. Um, because, you know, especially, I mean, look in retail, Uh, a plaza is really only good as the, as the consumers that frequent it. And, um, you know, if, if you need a consumer that makes $75,000 plus a year and the plaza is, um, predominantly frequented by people that make $35,000 a year, you're, you're kind of off the mark. And so either you're going to open that store and then change the way that you merchandise it to merchandise to the majority consumer that's there, or you're going to pick a different plaza that is going to match up most closely with what your brand sells and what you do. Um, so it just makes them, uh, a lot, it makes it a lot easier for them to select the right location. Um, and for most of our retail clients that we work with, we, we don't even charge them to do that kind of analysis, even though I'm sure we probably could, but, um, it's just about trying to help our clients just make better decisions and, um, uh, you know, give them, put them on the right path to success.
0: You, you talked a little earlier about being able to track right up until uh, the sale is made Does that involve integration issues with retailers' existing software? Um, Is this something that you need to integrate with existing systems, or is this independent of that?
1: Yeah, so we're actually working on some integrations to various different um, uh, CRM systems that are used throughout the furniture and uh, mattress industry. But uh, predominantly, the way that it works is our retailers just send us a CSV file or Excel file of the addresses of those people that purchased in their store. Um, we don't need any contact information. We don't want to know who the people are. We just need the address. And then, you know, obviously, they can provide to us, like, category codes, brand codes, things like that, so we can get a, a deeper analysis. But um, um, every month, we just get the um, written sales data of, you know, the addresses of those people that they delivered to or purchased. And um run that back through the system. And then it tells us, um, you know, who converted from what ad.
0: Oh, fascinating. Now, a couple of the examples that you used, temper Sealy and, and Ashley, those are fairly large and sophisticated companies with significant budgets and a fairly high level of sophistication. What about smaller mom and pop retailers, um, who, who don't have those kinds of budgets to work with and, and who have to find ways to make every dollar stretch, what kind of things, um, are available to them. Does the same thing work for them?
1: Yeah, the same thing works for them. It, it, you know, it's, um, uh, we, we, we have many more small mom and pop retailers than we do have big, um, big chains. I mean, obviously we work with a lot of the top 100 retailers that are out there. Um, but we work with significantly more, you know, single store operations, whether or not it's a single store mattress store or single store furniture store, or if it's a combo, you know, we even have um, appliance stores that have come on, Um, uh, recently that, you know, I've just added in like selling uh, mattresses in their store or selling um, recliners in their store. And uh, it doesn't matter the size of the store, right? Everything is customizable. For us, it's really based on the audience size. So if, you know, if a retailer has a $1,000 a month to spend, you know, we can work with them on that. Now, granted, the return that they're going to get in store is going to be you know, uh, you know, relative to the amount that they're spending, you know, a thousand dollars in marketing budget can probably only generate you somewhere between, you know, 10,000 and $20,000 in register sales. But, um, you know, for a small mom and pop retailer, that's significant difference. And then, you know, what we aim to do with them is then take that, you know, thousand that turned into 10 or that thousand that turned into 20, and then, you know, get that campaign to be 2000. So we can turn it into, you know, 30 or 40. So it's, it's all about scaling it, but um, all the same tools are available to our retailers, no matter their size. Um, we still, you know, we, we manage and and do all the ad creation for them. Um, we really tried to set out to make this as painless as possible for the retailer um, because they just, they need something to help them, you know, survive and grow. And, you know, most of the retailers just don't have the time and resources to spend on marketing. Uh, that that really is necessary in order to really make sure that your business is growing properly.
0: If you look at traditional furniture retail advertising, it tends to be um, driven around by key holidays, right? So very, very seasonal um, labor day, Memorial day, mm-hmm. fourth of July. And it also tends to be very focused on um, price um, discounting uh, financing terms, those kinds of things. Is that the same kind of message that you see being successful in this format, or is there somewhat a different um, a different approach that you should or can take because of the platform or because of the format? Yeah, so,
1: so I always say that, um, you know, what we do is sort of a, a combination of branding slash opportunity, right? Um, sales are always going to matter in the furniture industry. Uh, you're always going to need to have, some offer that a consumer can grab onto that's going to excite them and get them to actually move and take action. Uh, and that's where your sales come in. But, you know, a lot of the time, um, you know, when we start working with retailers, they would say, well, I only want to advertise around Labor Day, Memorial Day. You know, they just want to advertise going to these big holidays. What we figured out was that you can generate a new consumer into the store every day, every week, every month. And there doesn't necessarily need to be a holiday attached to it. You know, the the trick is to just understand who's going to buy what in your store. So, um, we do a lot of, you know, what's your unique sales proposition in the market? Right now, um, one of the biggest messages that is resonating with consumers across the nation is being locally owned and operated, um, family owned and operated. That is a huge message that we're seeing that's converting very, very well. Um, You know, I think, you know, communities, know really understand that there is uh you know some struggles that small businesses have endured because of the pandemic and so they they want to shop local um so that message definitely is helping for our 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 local retailers um you know uh we we really look at you know what is the messaging um in different markets across the country that's working and then you know moving to that in in the you know right as stores started to open up a few months back one of the biggest messages that you could run was like a clean and safe environment to shop in. Uh, that message is still doing fairly well now, um, but it's definitely not as dominant as it needed to be months ago. Um, uh, another message right now that's dominating is just having items in stock. Uh, consumers uh, want to know where they can go to shop now and actually pick something up and have it delivered in a reasonable period of time. You know, there's there's definitely a lot of retailers that are struggling with supply chain and um, you know, that makes the consumer journey a little bit different. Um, so, it's really just about understanding what message is correct. And, you know, I'll tell you, um, we you know, obviously monitor foot traffic in stores across the country. And before the pandemic hit, the average consumer would shop in about six stores during their buying cycle. Um, so, they'd shop around six different stores on average. And now, that number is down to 2.2 on average with a lot, of, a lot of consumers only shopping in one store, which means that they're doing a lot more front-end research and they're trying to limit their exposure, they're trying to go to one single retail store and and buy them, which only means that now, targeting the right consumer before they go to shop is even that much more important. Um, you know, so you really have to understand that consumer and what you're trying to push, uh, and if you do that, then you can really kind of tailor the messaging directly to that consumer, you can understand, what they need to hear in order to shop with you.
0: It would strike me that given that situation that you're targeting, your advertising is focused um, in terms of the sales funnel, your advertising is focused on conversion more than awareness or consideration. Would you say that that is where this is most effective? Is it driving the bottom of the sales funnel? Or are there other times where you're a little more focused on perhaps the awareness or the consideration portion of the funnel?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's always a combination, right? Um, there's there's always going to be awareness and consideration when, especially when you're looking at um, the specific demographics of a person. Like, let me give you an example. Um, you know, we do these uh, custom demographic audiences where a retailer can tell us, like, hey, you know, I want to sell more of this particular sofa in my store. This sofa is a high margin item for us. Um, our salespeople are really good at selling it, and we have a lot of it in stock. So this is the thing that I want to sell more of. Well, what we do is you know, take, the people's, um, take the addresses of the people that have bought that sofa previously and reverse it out to their demographic profiles so we can understand the makeup of who buys that sofa from them. Then once we have that, we can go out into the marketplace and select those people um, from within a you know 10 15 20 mile radius depending on where you pull your consumers from and find the people that are most likely to buy that sofa. Now all of these people have not shown that they're in the market to buy a sofa right now but we understand that they are the most likely people to buy this particular sofa so now we're going to start hitting them with branding and advertising to try and impress upon them and see if we can get them to move. Um, you know so once you start pushing that right' you're, you're doing branding, you're doing awareness, and they're kind of moving them through a cycle that's geared towards getting them out to shop. And then you start looking at, okay, well, here are the people in my segment that I was impressing upon that I wanted to take an action. And now I look at the market by looking at everybody that's shopping in all the furniture and mattress retail stores in the area. And I can see if there's any correlation, like, did we get this person to move at all? Did they go to our store, Did they go to a different store? You know. And once we start figuring out the ad that has the most ability to move a person to this particular product, to the store, now you can start optimizing that ad to get to get um, uh, more consumers in. So, you know, you're kind of taking them from the whole stage, from the beginning of introducing them to the store all the way through to conversion. We're just smart enough to know that that we have to look at where this person goes and and what they do in order to better understand what's actually going to get them to convert. So, we're really just pushing them through the whole funnel from top to bottom.
0: Does the message change that you that you target them with as they move as you track them through the funnel? Do you change the message or is it just a matter of making sure that you stay in contact with them as they move through that funnel?
1: Um, it's a little bit of both, um, you know, predominantly, you know, one of the things that we realize um, in studying this across the country is that in order to get somebody to take a physical action in store um, to move from their house to the store, it takes mind share, essentially. right? I need you to understand that you're going to go shop at XYZ Furniture Store on Saturday when you go out to go shop. And the only way that I do that is by taking over that brand share, that mind share, and impressing upon you why you want to shop with me, and then every opportunity you have to come in and save money with me. And you know the, the data science that we do on the front end is really key to that whole thing. If the data science is wrong, and you're trying to apply this to the wrong consumer, it won't work so the data science part of analyzing the consumer on the front end and figuring out who is the person that buys this particular product or will shop at my store is most likely to shop at my store is key to success um i always this is all data based right uh the data has to do the talking i can guess and i can make educated decisions based upon historical things but truly we have to look at the data and let the data tell us you know who to target and when to target them and what to target them with and then as they start to take actions in the marketplace, then the ads will change um dependent upon what they're doing. Um, you know, dependent upon what's going on in the store, you know, uh as we as we get in data back after they do like their first matchback analysis, and we look at it and say, okay, well, here's what we were advertising in the ad, and here's what actually converted in the store. Okay, now we can adjust because if I was, you know, pushing this um you know, sectional and, you know, it didn't sell at all, um, you know, then obviously that sectional didn't really resonate as well. Um, you know, if I was pushing, um, you know, uh, you know, this dining room table and they you know, sold out of that dining room table. Now I know, Hey, that, that furniture, that piece resonates with the audience a little bit better. It's causing conversions in store because I don't want to just send people to the store. I want to send people to the store that are going to buy. If we do everything correct, um and 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 really find the right people you get people that are coming in just asking to buy you know a tempur-pedic mattress you know if we're pushing a tempur-pedic right we want them to come in asking for the product that they want and um you do that by really taking over that brand share that mind share and finding the right thing that needs to be advertised to that particular person um and by doing that i mean you're just so much more efficient i mean you just think about the efficiency of that. You know, the you you need to spend less money to effectively target that person at that point because you're not guessing as to what's going to bring them into your store. You don't have to just run this blanket sale and just do this crazy thing. You can bring in consumers all the time.
0: This is, I have to say, this is absolutely fascinating. Um, but it makes me feel frighteningly, as a consumer, frighteningly like a, a lab rat. Um, I, I wonder how many, <laughs> I'm starting to wonder how many of these messages are following me around where I go. Um, but this is really, really fascinating stuff. Um, I, I just would, uh, we're going to run out of time here. So I want to let our audience know if you want to hear more of Eric on this topic, Eric will be joining us at our leadership conference this year. Um, and we'll be presenting there so you can get more information and, uh, we will have, contact information. So if you if you'd like to learn more, if you'd like to study this more and speak with him, um please join us for our leadership conference. Uh, my guest today has been Eric Grindley. Yeah, thanks Eric.
1: And Bill, I just say if, if people are looking to get in touch with us, they can check us out at squareadvertising.com and um you know, our our COVID market retail analysis is open for all retailers in the United States for free for them to get a current picture of their marketplace and to understand the volatility of what they're dealing with so way they can better understand the consumers they need to be shopping with now so they can just send an email to hello at squarevertising.com and um, and someone will get back to them and 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 give them some, some data to get them started and there's no there's no cost to do it and uh it really does help a lot of retailers just better understand what's going on right now and uh thank you so much for, for, for having me on I really do appreciate it. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to uh, to speaking at the Leadership Conference.
0: This has really just been an education for me. I mean, I'm just nonstop fascinated. I, I do a lot of podcasts, but I have to tell you, I've just been absolutely riveted um, by the amount of information that you have and the ability. Um, and how simple you make it for someone who is not as technologically sophisticated, right? I mean, that's, to me, that's the real I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, the real ability to kind of make it um, accessible in layman's terms has just been great. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. My guest has been Eric Grindley, CEO and founder of Esquire Advertising. And uh, I'm Bill McLaughlin with On The Record Podcast, wishing you good business. Thank you.